All right, let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for uh, this time right now. Thank you for your presence right here. We're just awed that you would have time for all of your children all over the world and with us right now. Uh, Lord, help us to think about the things that are on your heart. Think about just how amazing you are and think about the Lord Jesus as John revealed him in the book of Revelation. So help us, Lord, to get a glimpse of uh, the Lord Jesus and what he's going to be doing in the future. Anyway, we do thank you for this time right now, and I just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'd like to show you uh, a PowerPoint, which has nothing to do with my message, but uh, it is a reminder of what's going on uh, all over the world. This is from the Bouquet tribe, the tribe we pray for on our prayer list each week. And they're about two years into their language study and culture and probably have another year before they'll actually start teaching the Bible. So I want to go ahead and do this first. It's about five minutes, but it really challenges us to realize what missionaries do when they go into these remote areas. Hi, everyone. It's Catherine Krieger over here in Indonesia. Welcome to the Bukit village of Nangahobat. Come on, let me show you around. There is mercy that won't run dry. There is a kindness that never dies It is deep, it is wide There is mercy that won't run dry Taste and see, oh, taste and see The Bukit people of Indonesia live in small, remote villages on the island of Borneo. My teammates and I have been living full-time in the Bukit village of Nangahobat since early 2020. We are currently in the process of learning the Bukit language and culture. Our goal is to become proficient in the local language so that we can share the truth of the gospel with our Bukit friends in a relevant way and translate the Bible into their heart language. Learning an unwritten language means we have to create our own study materials. We do this by joining in daily life activities with our friends, taking lots of pictures, then organizing and printing those pictures to ask questions about later. At this stage in our study, we are focusing mainly on daily processes. So, after I've seen a process in the village or at someone's rice field, I print the pictures I've taken and put them in a notebook. When I'm studying with my Bukit friends, I will pull out the pictures of the process I'm working on and ask them to explain to me in the local language each step in the process so I can record it. Then I will show them a larger photo of where the process took place and ask them to describe the setting to me in their own words. And finally, I'll ask them to ask questions about the photos and then answer the questions themselves so that I can hear how Bukit folks like to ask and answer questions. Back at home, I will import all my photos and audio recordings from the day into a language learning app I have on my computer so that I can easily review them. Once I've listened through the process multiple times, marking new vocabulary and paying attention to the native speaker's pronunciation and intonation patterns, I'll then try retelling the process myself to a friend or neighbor. They will give me correction and I try again until I've pretty well mastered the process. Another interesting part of culture and language study is learning about the local foods, where to find them, and how to cook and eat them.
questions, but never felt so broken. Oh God, what do I do now? Alongside the fun and exciting parts of life and language study here, also come the sobering reminders of how very needed the gospel is in this place, and how very much we are completely dependent on God's grace and enabling to make any progress toward our goal of being able to share the life-transforming truth of the gospel with our Bukut friends in the future. Ina tergantung kau yang terkait tebing dua rapa, tebing dua rapa, tebing mai air rapa mata, air rapa mata. Ina mana ni re? Indonesia. Okay, well, on this uh, trip that we'll be taking, uh, I mean, I'll be showing this, and then I'm going to have pictures from the homes, from the work we do there and the work that's going on, and then I'll be sharing a devotion. I don't know if I'm going to share this one that I'll be sharing this morning with you guys, but mainly give our supporters. We'll be visiting uh, six churches in Illinois, Chicago, um, Grand Rapids, Pennsylvania, New York, and then down the East Coast, so... Honestly, Lois says, I don't want to go. She doesn't like to travel and then to do all this. It's not easy for her. She'd rather spend 30 hours a week in the kitchen uh, right here at home. But anyway, just be praying for us that we'll be excited and be able to be excited about the work God's doing uh, through us. Before I get into the message, um, thinking about the homes and all the workers that are there, we have about 20 people that help in the kitchen Six of them are certified cooks, and the rest of them, like myself, uh, we do all the odds and ends, setting tables, washing dishes, teasing the residents. I do that pretty well, <laughs> especially when I try to steal their dessert when they're not looking. But anyway, uh, it's fun just interacting with these old saints. And the average age for the residents in the Latham Center is about 85 years old. Our oldest resident is Mabel Hurst, 99 years old. And she is still going strong. Good for her. So anyway, it's just a great place. I had a friend write this about our ministry there. You know, just the New Tribes ministry with the residents. In regard to the ministry to the saints here at the homes, the Lord loved those who needed his touch. At this point in their lives, these elderly folks need the extra care of staff and a facility that will provide care and a place to live they can afford while they look for the Lord's coming or they're going to him. Many of them are still 
involved in ministries via computer or prayer or both. We don't feel like we have to defend the validity of our working here as the needs of the elderly are validated already. And you know, when I started this ministry back in, well, I mean, just being involved in tribal uh, ministry in 1980, 81, I didn't have a clue of what lay ahead when we reached this age. I'm 71 years old. I'm done with on the ground church planting ministry, but I'm involved in ministry now. These guys in the ALF, in the Latham Center, they're not involved in much. Most of them can't even go to church. They come to the meals. They got their walkers and and wheelchairs. One guy comes riding in an electric cart. And uh, honestly, guys, we're all headed that way. Um, But it is a sobering reminder that the best is yet to come, even though it might not be easy. Uh, So we count it a privilege to be able to help there. And I just wanted to share a few comments that uh, I asked everybody at our residence. There's 215 people living at the homes right now outside the ALF, and then about 20 residents living inside the ALF. Guys, what are you involved in? How many of you are involved in translation and stuff like that? And I got a few responses. Here's uh, Mike Henderson. He said this. We are revising the Asiana translation using Zoom to share our screen of translation with our co-worker in Papua New Guinea. He and his family are staying at one uh, of our regional bases in one of our national guest houses and has access to an office, a team computer, a borrowed, unused, cracked screen, cell phone that works as a hotspot. This is tribal areas. They're working in uh, Papua New Guinea. I share my screen with him, and we go over our revision. We each do quite a lot of comparing and checking, then collaboration before we finalize changes. Then a team of village elders and leaders will go over it again. We are about 90% finished with the New Testament part. So that's Mike Henderson. And there's probably a half dozen other guys that are doing the same thing Mike's doing with this language here. So praise the Lord. There is translation work going on. I think there's about a dozen people that are teaching in churches uh, around the community. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, this is an interesting one. I don't. You guys know Jim Sheffield. Uh, anyway, he's the one that directs the uh, Latham Center where the old people are living. I say old. You know, I'm old, but these guys are really old. Uh, he and Carol are thinking about no, not thinking. They are committed to starting a new ministry with crisis um, kids. Kids that live in crisis homes where the parents are, you know, either in drugs or arrested and all kinds of stuff. You often see Jim and Carol have a little baby, maybe eight, ten months, a year old, and they'll take care of that kid for a week or two in their home until the, the parent, whatever the situation is, can take them back into their home. But he would like to start a full-time ministry doing this. He probably won't be at the homes anymore, and he's going to be working based in the Orlando area, so they need to set up from scratch. But doing this, this is what Jim said. Uh, we are not involved in any overseas ministry at this time. We are heavily involved in the little church, house church that we attend. And uh, then he gives a few things that they do at the church. And we are host parents for the Orlando branch of Safe Families for Children. And he gives a web- website about the Safe Families. We have started an organization, My Stepping Stones, to help Single parents break out of the generational cycle of sin and poverty. So anyway, he's just uh, challenged to start this whole brand new ministry. 
not even tribal related, new tribes related, but it's on their heart to help these families in crisis. So that's that's Jim. Um, okay, here's Sarah Keckler. Uh, this will be the last one I'll share. I had about 25 responses from my question about who does ministry outreach. Sarah Keckler, she's presently, I think she said 85 years old, or no, 75. Although I did not work in translation, the Lord has given me opportunity in other ministries, serving 31 years in Colombia in two different tribes, then on to the States to continue, continue laboring for another 18 years in the finance office at our headquarters. At 75, I am retired and now have been serving another five years as a volunteer in the same office at the headquarters. In Colombia, I only served in two tribes. In the States, I am serving every work Ethnos 360 is involved in by processing donations for our missionaries and their many projects. I consider myself to be a blessed person to be able to serve how God directs. God used Moses to lead his people through the desert for 40 years. I must admit, I am in worse shape than their sandals were at the end of the trip, but I still have energy that I want to dedicate to my Lord. So it's just neat to see that uh, most of the folks that are over there in the homes uh, community are involved in ministry and, um, uh, yeah, just their desire to be used in any way they can. It's not like they're out there, you know, playing golf and eating ice cream all day long. A lot of them want to be involved in ministry. Um, I was going to share this list of all the different things that go on there. There's about 15 uh, different areas of work that take place at the whole Holmes uh, Institute, um, but I'm not going to go down through the list. It's just a big list. But I will say this. I mentioned there's 20 people in the kitchen that are involved in uh, running the kitchen, and there's 45 uh, folks like myself that are involved in carpentry, house painting, uh, cleaning homes, remodeling homes, um, cutting the grass, and just so many things, 45 people. And soon, uh, in fact, we just got our first uh, RV last week to move to the homes, and they'll be there, I don't know how long, you know, most of the winter. We have 21 families coming this year with their RVs to help us, you know, on a volunteer basis, do all the things that need to be done along with us. So that's the homes, you know, in a quick breakdown, all the stuff that's going on there. Okay, now briefly, I want to just be reminded again and think about uh, the Lord Jesus. He's God. He's our Savior, like we talked about this morning. Uh, He is busy every day, every moment of the day all over the world, challenging, encouraging, trying to save people, trying to Help us to be conformed to his image and be involved in his work. Be excited about what he's doing. Uh, I think we miss that a lot. The person of the Lord Jesus. And I've mentioned this before, I I think the last time I shared. And this, you know, don't start throwing your shoes at me and stuff like that. But honestly, as I see, you know, our devotions that we have every day at the homes and in the chapel times, our times here, even in the chapel here, and a lot of the churches that we attend, what you listen to on TV, the majority of the things that are shared, and it's not wrong, but the majority of the things that are shared are more along the line of exhorting one another in the things of the Lord. Um, You know, just challenging one another. How can we walk closer to the Lord? How can we be more involved in what he's doing? You know, how can we appreciate, you know, his word and and, uh, 
ministered to to others. And we don't uh, spend a lot of time of just, wow, how amazing the Lord Jesus is. We don't uh, go into the Gospels, the life of Christ, and talk about, wow, what did he do there? That's incredible. As he was sharing who he was and trying to uh, uh, convince the Jewish people that he was the Messiah, he was the Son of God, uh, I think we miss the aspect of love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love Jesus with all your heart, mind, and soul. Uh, in the emphasis that we put uh, in our messages that are shared. And again, I'm not saying they're wrong, but I think we're a little bit out of balance. I think we ought to be focusing on the person and the work and the future, the eternal future we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, for what it's worth, that's my observation. And based on that observation, uh, I got going in Jesus in Revelation. I don't know how I got started on this, but I know I wanted to talk about worship, uh, worshiping the Lord. So that led me to Jesus in Revelation. And uh, before I start that, I want to look at Psalm 34, 1 through 4, real quick. And it's actually a song that uh, our Bible school teacher, uh, Larry Harris, if some of you guys knew the Harrises, Larry and Nancy, uh, every class that we had with Larry, he would start with Psalm 34, 1 through 4. And uh, it goes. the song goes like this as he sings through the first four verses. <clears throat> I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in thee, Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So Larry would just remind us, you know, through this song, we'd sing it along with him. Uh, we're here to magnify the Lord. And how can we do that? David wanted to do that. He often wrote psalms to the Lord, you know, just love letters uh, interacting with the Lord. Okay, so thinking about worshiping the Lord. David worshiped the Lord many times in his psalms. Many of his psalms were actual letters directly written to God. We need to worship the Lord when we come together. Communion is a part of that at uh, our church here. Teaching is at times worship. More often, it is in exhorting one another as the Bible commands. We can ask God to change us after we have been exhorted by a particular person's message. But do we say, thank you, God, for speaking to me? I want to allow you to work in my life based on what I just heard. I want to magnify and glorify your name, Lord Jesus, according to what we have just heard. Worship. In my favorite uh, verse, Paul asked... Uh, it's not new, but it's my favorite life verse is uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your And I think a lot of David's writings and what we'll see, it, uh, what John shared in Revelation, they're acknowledging the Lord and magnifying him. So anyway, that's what I want to do in my life and 
Uh, one project I have on the back burner is to write my life uh, testimony. Uh, I got saved. I was involved in ministry overseas and write it so that it's a challenge to the tribal people that we worked in in Indonesia. I want to be able to give it out in their language and uh, just hope that it will be a challenge uh, to the Taman tribe in Indonesia. So that's the project that I have. Okay, uh, Revelation is written by uh, the Apostle John. Uh, he was later in life when he wrote that. I imagine he wrote it after he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And it's interesting when uh, John writes in the Gospel of John, uh, First John and in Revelation, he starts out all three of those books by talking about the Lord Jesus, just reminding us of who he is and uh, propping up his message that he wants to share based on uh, the introduction of it's God and because of him that I'm writing these things. I'll give you a couple of examples. John 1, uh, 1 through 4 actually. In the beginning was the Word. Now, the Word is Jesus. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. So we see there he's the creator. Without him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Down in verse 14, he said, The Word became flesh, Jesus, tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, in 1 John, he's similar to that. So I would imagine there's a number of years between these, the Gospel of John and when he wrote 1 John. But his heart is still on magnifying the Lord. 1 John 1, starting in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. For the life was revealed, we have seen it, bear witness, and show to you the everlasting life who was with the Father and was revealed to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you so that you also may have fellowship with us. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, and then the beginning of Revelation, the first three verses in chapter 1. A revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to declare to his servants, which must shortly come to pass. But he signified it by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads and hears the words of this prophecy and the ones keeping the things written in it for the time is near. So anyway, again, John just had it on his heart to really... Uh, talk about the Lord Jesus and the Gospels in 1 John, 2nd, 3rd, and then in Revelation, he uh, emphasizes the Lord Jesus uh, in his writing. So I hope we do that this morning. Okay, I know how I got started on uh, Jesus in Revelation. Uh, my son-in-law, who's been married to my daughter going on probably seven years now, they live in Springfield, Missouri. We saw him about two weekends ago, three weekends ago. Uh, he's a Jehovah Witness. Nominal Jehovah Witness, but he, I challenged him on it, and he's not ready to give it up, even though they don't go to, you know, the Jehovah Witness Kingdom Hall or whatever they call it. Uh, so anyway, while we were there for the four days, uh, it was Sunday morning, and we didn't want to go to church, be exposed to COVID, you know, possibly being exposed to COVID. So we had church at their home, and uh, my daughter said, well, Dad, why don't you share something? I talked about the Lord Jesus 
you know, in Revelation, that he is God because our Jehovah Witnesses don't believe he's God. But we talked about uh, him being on the throne as the Lamb of God, sitting on the throne with Jesus. He's called the Savior. He's called the Lord. We'll see a lot of the things he's called. But we went through uh, the glory that Christ has in the book of Revelation. And uh, that's what got me started on uh, thinking about Jesus and Revelation. But anyway, my son-in-law said, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that was it. I didn't go any farther. So anyway, so let's go on. It's amazing that Jesus himself would talk about the end times in the last book of the Bible. God the Son is letting us know what he is going to do in the end. Thank you, God, for giving us insight into your plans. He starts with addressing seven churches that are lacking in their love for God. Uh, We are to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, but they did not. It is a challenge to us also to consider where we are at in our obedience to the Lord individually and as a church body. An angel whom the Jehovah Witnesses believe Jesus is, Michael the Archangel, there's no way he would have the access to these churches and knowing what they're going through and what they're doing uh, as the Lord Jesus did when he wrote to the seven churches. Uh, An angel would not know the weaknesses of God's people like Jesus knew about these churches and would be able to rebuke them as Jesus did. did. if he, this is what he wrote to the church at Ephesus and Laodicea, just briefly. In verse 4, he says, But I have this against you, that you left your first love. You left your first love. Uh, Matthew twenty four twelve says, In the last days, sin's going to get worse and worse. And what? The love of many is going to grow cold. Now, he's talking about believers there. And that's what my challenge is to myself and to all of us. Are we as excited about the things of the Lord as we were when we first got saved? Um, We need to guard our hearts. Uh, The church at Ephesus had a problem with that. They got distracted. We can get distracted. When he wrote to the Laodicean church, he said this in verse 15 through 17. Okay, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I would that you were cold or hot. because So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I'm rich, increase with goods, have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked. And he he challenged the other churches about false teaching and stuff like that, being sidetracked and not focusing on God's priorities and perspective. But just the area of um, are we walking with the Lord Jesus? with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and re- really being dedicated to the things that are on his heart. Okay, so I'll just share a few thoughts about um, the Lord Jesus and the glory that he has in the book of Revelation. Uh, in Isaiah 42, before I start with Revelation, I'll give you a few um, numbers. Isaiah 42, 8, God says this. He's not going to share his glory. He says, I am Jehovah. That is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to graven images. And he was pretty serious about that in the Old Testament. Uh, If people went after other images, they were killed. Some of the prophets, uh, some of the, uh, I can't remember who, um, went after things, and they ended up dying. He said, I'm not going to put up with people going after other gods if they want to acknowledge me in their life. 
So he's not going to share his glory until Jesus, his son, came. Did he share his glory with the Lord Jesus Christ? You bet he did. Just look, look at, well, just think of this. In the New Testament, uh, you have the number of times Jesus is mentioned, the number of times God is mentioned in different verses. I added it up. Uh, when you talk about uh, the Lord Jesus, there are 1,700 different verses in the New Testament that in one way or another, with different names referring to the Lord, are talking about Jesus. Uh, God himself, God the Father, I think I came up with about 1,500. Now, I'm, I'm sure this isn't you know totally accurate, but it gives you a good idea. At least 50% of the time, Jesus is glorified and mentioned in the New Testament and the, uh, along with God the Father. Michael the Archangel, you know, they say Jesus is actually Michael the Archangel. He's only mentioned about 30 times, maybe 40 times in the whole Bible. But Jesus is mentioned 1,700 times in the Bible. I'm not going to share my glory with anybody, God said, but he is glorifying his son as himself. Okay, um, you know, I'm running out of time, and I'm going to skip a number of things. I want to go right into the Lamb. Well, no, let me let me read a couple of verses just talking about God and uh, Jesus being God in the uh, book of Revelation. Um, I think this is, uh, we'll do it in verse five, uh, chapter 5, starting in uh, verse 6. And I saw in the midst of the throne, the throne of God, that's mentioned a number of times in uh, Revelation, you see the throne of God. And of the four living creatures, I'm skipping a little bit, and in the midst of the elders, a lamb, as though it had been slain. So this is in the midst of the throne of God. They have God the Father, and you have the lamb. And lamb is actually mentioned uh, 27 times in the book of uh, Revelation. They use uh, Jesus as the lamb. And I thought, well, that's interesting. They refer to him as the lamb, and he's not the king. He's he, They do, do mention him one time as the king of kings, but... Anyway, the lamb. Uh, Revelation 6.16, talking about the lamb. They say to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne, God Almighty, and from the wrath of the lamb. So the lamb is mentioned along with God uh, being on the throne. 7.9, and these things I saw, and behold, a great multitude which no man could number, out of every nation and of all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, arrayed in white robes and palms in their hands. 7.10, they cry with a loud voice saying, Salvation unto our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. 7.17, for the Lamb that is in the midst of the throne shall be their shepherd, shall guide them unto fountains, of water of life, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eye. Or 14, uh, 14.4, These are they that were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They are they that follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goes. These were purchased from among men to be the firstfruits unto God and unto the Lamb. <clears throat> so you see the image of the Lamb uh, over and over. This is just some of the ones uh, referring to the Lamb in Revelation. Okay, so you go back to John, um, when he, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus in John one twenty nine, he said, the next day John sees Jesus coming to him and he says, what? Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. 
So you see Jesus referred to as the lamb and then glorified as the lamb in heaven. Isaiah uh, 53, 4-7, talking about this lamb who was sacrificed and crucified. He says this starting in verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace uh, was on him, and with his stripes we ourselves are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way, and Jehovah has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. So again, the idea of a lamb. And I think most of us, when we think about a lamb, we think about this cute little animal that some people have as pets. If you ever lived on a farm and you want to give it a little carrot stick or something and say, oh, the cute little lamb, feel its curly little hair. Isn't that so nice? But when God's referring to the lamb, he's looking at a lamb that was slain, cut open, bloodshed, Uh, As we see in the Old Testament, the blood from that lamb was put on the doorpost to protect the people from God's, uh, you know, his punishment that was coming on. It wasn't that cute little lamb. It was the lamb that was sacrificed. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen a lamb sacrificed or uh, an animal sacrificed for a a worship service of some sort. Uh, I saw it many times in the tribe. They would cut, uh, not lambs, but they would do cows and the Muslims. I don't know if they do it in the States, but over in Indonesia, the largest Muslim country in the world, they would once a year sacrifice uh, goats and cows. And what they do is they lay them over a big hole. They dig a hole. They lay it down, tie it up, slit its throat. And I watched that and I said, you got to be kidding me. And they're collecting the blood underneath in a hole in the ground. And then they sacrifice that animal. Not a pretty thing. But Jesus did that for us, dying for our sins on the cross. And he is the Lamb of God. So anyway, uh, let me uh, just share a few verses talking about this Lamb and then some of the other words that God uses about the Lord Jesus in Revelation. I think we read uh, Revelation 5, so let's go ahead and go on to Revelation, talking about Jesus' name as the Word of God. Okay, this is Revelation 19.13. He said this, talking about the Word of God and some of the other names used for Jesus. You guys are going to have a hard time following along because I'm just going to be touching on some uh, different uh, verses. Revelation 19, 13. And he had been clothed in a garment dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now, this is talking about Jesus. Verse 16. He has on his garment and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 20, verse 4, talking about the Word of God, referring to Jesus. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and who had not worshipped the beast nor his image, nor had received his mark on their forehead, nor in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So it's talking about people beheaded, and that's still going on today, guys. Even in Indonesia, we have some radicals that from time to time do this, but you saw that in Afghanistan recently and a number of places where Christians are still giving their lives uh, for their witness. Anyway, 
uh, 26.1, talking about the Alpha and Omega, referring to Jesus. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who thirsts, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely. Okay, so you see the Lord Jesus refer to himself, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Another place he says the first and the last. Uh, God said that in the Old Testament, referring to himself. Jesus used the same uh, terminology referring to himself. Jesus was God. I wish I could have gone through a lot of this with my brother-in-law or son-in-law, but we didn't get a chance to do that. But anyway, Jesus in Revelation is clearly portrayed as God. Okay, here in this last verse we just looked at, he says, I will give of the water of life. Well, when he challenged the church, the seven churches earlier, I think one was he given the crown of life, the tree of life, and the book of life. Your name had to be written in the book of life. So as we follow the Lord Jesus, we are able to partake of these blessings also, the crown of life, the tree of life, the water of life, as he mentioned here, and our names are written in the book of life. So praise God. Okay, then the last one, talking about the different names of God. This one, uh, this is in 22, verses 1 and 2. Uh, Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of the street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So again, uh, just the picture in heaven of uh, this uh, river uh, being a water of life, eternal life, and Jesus giving us access to himself and to one day being able to see this river in person in heaven and enjoying eternal life with him. Okay, I think I'm going to close with John's ending. Oh, no, I had this here. I said, read this, Steve, read this. Uh, this is goes along with the ending. Uh, this is in uh, 22... Uh, verse 20 and 21, as John closes his ending. And that's another thing. It's interesting in uh, about 11 epistles, I think it was, in the New Testament, the ending of the epistles, uh, you know, often it was, um, it was, bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, bless you in the name of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. But in these 11 epistles, it only says, uh, receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And it just points to the Lord Christ as the blessing that he is leaving with the readers of these epistles. He just mentions the Lord Jesus Christ, emphasizing the importance of God's Son. And the, and the other epistles, he combines both the Father and the Son, but again, um, just blessing us. So here he does it at the end of Revelation um, 20 and 21. Let me read it. He who testifies these things, meaning John, says, yes. No, I'm sorry, meaning Jesus says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Yes, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So I said that Jesus uh, is in the blessing at the end of this epistle and many of the epistles in the New Testament. In uh, Romans 16, it says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. 1 Corinthians 16, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. And then uh, my last one I had was 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So anyway, just in a nutshell, uh, I just want to remind us again of the awesomeness of who the Lord Jesus is. And he's right here with us. You know, we think, well, yeah, we have the Holy Spirit in us. He's in us in the Holy Spirit. I picture in my mind, he's sitting right there, maybe next to David or next to Rebecca or next to all of us. And he's saying, boy, I love you. I'm glad you're my child. Uh, Let's do this. I got a job for you. Let's do this. And he's just encouraging us to be in awe uh, every day of him. I mentioned Proverbs earlier, acknowledge in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. I've been just throughout the day talking to the Lord. You know, I get frustrated about something. I won't go to the aspect of getting frustrated with my wife when she wants me to do something in the kitchen that me as a man, I mean, I just do what comes natural, right? And I I just do something that's quick, as in washing the dishes and drying it under my arm and putting it out in the cupboard. Steve, you can't do that. You need to wipe it clean, let it dry, air dry, and it has to go through the sanitizer. I don't actually rub it under my arm. Honestly, I do try to take shortcuts, and uh, she doesn't want to know some of the shortcuts I take putting dishes away. Even that, you have to have them just right. Turned upside down, you can't have them facing up and all these crazy things. But that's, that's the rules of the land in Florida. She's going by what the health requirements are by the state of Florida. So how did I get started on that? I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm just thankful that we have the Lord Jesus, even when we're doing dishes and setting tables in the dining room for these elderly saints. Okay, let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we praise you and worship you. We love to see the beauty and diversity of your character. You are the fierce lion, and yet you're the gentle lamb. Today in our hearts, we join the scene in heaven as we bow humbly before your glorious throne. You are worthy to receive the praises of all saints throughout all of history. Help our hearts to rejoice even now as we anticipate that grand day. Help us to live conformed to the image of Christ. Help us to acknowledge you in all that we do. Help us to reveal you to others around us. And help us, Lord God Almighty, to look forward to that day when one day we will bow before you and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Thank you, Lord, and we pray all these things.